Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Emily Marquis on with us. She is a clinical health and wellness coach, a board-certified NBC-HWC, and she's also a yoga instructor and mindfulness consultant. So welcome to the show today, Emily. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Yeah. So I would love to kind of dive into a little bit about your own personal journey and what's kind of brought you to where you're at today. Mm -hmm. Well, we could chat for hours. Uh, I've had lots of life lessons and journeys along the way. Um, So I uh, personally um, grew up in a tumultuous situation and was able to uh, then choose my own path after that. So um, in adulthood, dealt with a lot of um, anxiety and depression and sort of through all of that. Um, and that also showed up in some physical ways, um, beyond the anxiety, depression, but I, and this is also in, in, um, family history, but some autoimmune things and stomach issues, stress, sleep, all those things, infertility challenges. Um, and so I really just started to take a look at my life and said, okay, this is not working and I'm too young to feel this way. And going through lots of doctors um, without answers and then having to be an advocate and all of those things. Um, I started to make lifestyle changes on my own. So through diet and exercise, less alcohol. And um, I've always been a pretty fit and athletic person, but really focusing that on actually slowing down. Um, and I really discovered yoga and meditation. And so huge shift over several, several years and and mental health counseling has been a huge part of, of my resilience as well. Um, so that in a nutshell is my personal journey and went through divorce and lots of job changes. And now I've been a successful entrepreneur for a long time. I have two kids, so living a normal life with normal stressors as well. Um, and so that, and then I worked in HR for a long time. So looking at um, what drove people and also what held them back at work. And oftentimes it was their health or their stress or relationships outside of work because we are whole people. And so that really let me dive into um, health as a whole and looking at it and how we have the power to make changes instead of just taking a bunch of medication, which is necessary to, it's, you know, for certain circumstances. Um, and so, and that was about 10 years ago and I felt very alone. It felt expensive. You know, no doctors were really looking at it this time. And so I became a, a certified health and wellness coach about 10 years ago, which was pretty new. And now it's gaining notoriety. So in the healthcare field, we have um, boards that you can take and it's becoming part of the profession um, in the medical uh, industry and healthcare and prevention and reduction of chronic illness through the choices that we make. So that's how I got to what I'm doing now. And and just like you, I, I live, I have a daily practice of yoga and meditation and Ayurvedic uh, rituals uh, to help me um, create that sustainability in my health as well. I love that. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And I think um, a great starting place, because I think after this past year, I've heard from many people, and there's lots of bad habits that might've been picked up 
um, or habits that just aren't serving us anymore. And, you know, some mm. of those that I've heard just sleep hygiene has kind of gone out the window for people, you know, increased oh, yeah. drinking of alcohol, um, you know, snacking all day, all of those things. So if people are listening and maybe they've gotten into some habits, they just, that are not serving them, what are some ways to kind of help shift people out of those habits? Yeah. Well, and that's a, a lifelong thing. That's um, part of our humanity is we have habits that are continuously going to be discovered that don't work for us. And COVID certainly emphasized or um, brought in new ones as some of our healthy outlets were let go. Um, so you either had to lean in to what was working or lean in for something to survival. Um, so um, all of those things during COVID or, or natural times habits are, is a lifelong process. So we can't all be perfect. So for creating healthy habits, I think the very first thing under that statement is having some grace uh, with yourself. Um, when you start to recognize, okay, maybe I'm having too many glasses of wine this week, or, you know what, I just ate that whole bag of chips and I wasn't even hungry and it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night. So I think it starts with awareness um, of what are our habits, what are our behaviors, and then grace and curiosity with that. So, okay, this is what I'm doing. It's not necessarily bad, but as you said, I love that term. It's not really working or serving anymore. And then what is curious about it? So what's behind it? Why am I doing it? Boredom, stress, emotion, there is no reason. It's just become a pattern that maybe you've been doing forever um, or, you know, watching a bunch of TV in bed before bed or, you know, all of those things. So just having curiosity of why, and then, so this is very high level and sounds easy, but this takes you know time. The next step would be, okay, what would I want to do instead? And it can be a simple answer of just not eat the bag of chips or I'd rather go to bed um, at a certain time, or I'd rather um, knit or just sit quietly or um, eat an apple. So that is really the, the basis of it is awareness, noticing grace, and then what else is there? What's, what else could I be doing? Yeah, I like that. And even, you know, like having that list, um, I tell people to have like a notebook laying around where you can maybe just add it as it, you know, piques your interest and having one place to go. Cause sometimes I know I've been guilty of this where I'm like, oh, I wrote it down on my phone. And then you look in your phone, <laughs> like, no, it's not there. Where did I write what I was going to do? Or a great idea that I thought I could do and then can't find it. So, you know, having that designated space for that too. Um, I think those are great, mm -hmm. great ideas. Um, and I would love to kind of go on that, that grace and that self-compassion. So if someone's listening and they're like, oh man, how in the world do I start showing myself that? Because I think, you know, we're so used to, I know myself, you know, growing up as an athlete, like, like you don't always have the grace or self-compassion. You're just like, okay, this is my job. I need to do it. Um, and you just push through. So if people are coming from that mindset of like, whoa, how do I practice self-compassion? Do you have any examples of how that might manifest in your life? Yes. And um, well, and just going back to what you say about having things written down is, is even as a health coach, I have to put sticky notes on my mirror in like really stressful times. Like Emily, like these are the things that work for you. Meditation, meal planning, 
sleep. And I like literally have to put them on a sticky note. So, um, yes. so right there is having grace that like, we're not all perfect. So I need a sticky note. So, um, so yes, grace and self-compassion, um, really comes from conversations with ourselves and, um, we're, most bias with a negativity bias science has taught us to lean into negativity or inner, inner critics. And sometimes that voice can come from a parent or a mean teacher or a mean girl from junior high. It's not even our voice, but it's been ingrained in the way we talk to ourselves. So having that moment of what are we saying to ourselves? So for your example of I should be, you know, doing this exercise five times a week for an hour. What's wrong with you? You're an athlete. Um, so just starting to have that awareness of what are you saying to yourself and then creating um, a pause and a, a, a room for another conversation or statement. So you can say to yourself, for example, um, and I love the word and it's very powerful. I want to be exercising more. I should be exercising more. And I've got a lot going on right now or, and it's COVID and I'm doing the best I can. So where can you find that should or the inner critic and then put in an and like, and I'm going to create a plan so I can do it once this week or, and three times a week is just as, you know, is where I'm at. So having that self-compassion um, really starts with the conversations that we're having with ourselves and it takes practice. Um, so for me personally, um, I have a daily affirmation or mantra. I even have cards. If I can't think of one myself, I have a card I pull. Um, like I am doing the best I can. Everything's working out for me. Everything's gonna be okay. Or um, I have the courage to ask for help. So sometimes those, those positive affirmations can also bring that warm blanket of the self-compassion in when you need, when you're beating yourself up. Mm, I love that. And do you find that the self-compassion and grace, cause I know part of your story, you know, you know, you were on the go, 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 you know, like myself, I can relate. Um, do you find sometimes that if you're always kind of on the go and maybe a more type A that self-compassion doesn't come as naturally? Mm -hmm. Yes. And also, yeah, I mean, it's just our culture. If we're not doing, we're not achieving or accomplishing. And so rest and relaxation takes the back burner. However, other cultures and our science prove that the most productivity, creativity, and connection comes when we're in a slow and steady pace. And slow doesn't mean we work one hour a week or one hour a day. It means we're in balance. Um, so is that type A mindset working for you anymore? And that can be the most profound and most challenging um, shift. And that for me has had a shift, yet it's a constant conversation. So it's not that I'm not a type A person. Um, I just have different conversations with myself. Like, okay, I don't feel well right now because I'm really stressed out. Or if I look at my week and I have, you know, 50 clients scheduled and I want to jam in, you know, my kids piano recital and working out. Um, 
the conversation is, well, is this aligning with how I want to feel, which is relaxed and accomplished and all of those things aren't going to work anymore. So um, really is pausing and having that conversation and aligning with how do I want to feel? And generally I have found that if my to-do list is really long, even if I accomplish everything, I don't feel accomplished. I feel depleted and I don't feel connected to myself or my family because I'm just burnt out. So uh, the type A-ness doesn't go away. It's just, um, where do we put, where do I put my energy in the conversations on how to relax and pull back from that a little bit? Mm, I love that. And I just had this conversation, um, you know, with a client of mine about, you know, pretty much just asking yourself, is this working? Um, Cause we were trying to build in some self-care time, you know, in his schedule and then realizing, oh yeah, I can take an hour for myself in the morning without needing my phone, you know, checking my email as I brush my teeth, you know, I can actually Mm -hmm. make time to have my phone. I, you know, and he runs a larger company. And so it was like, how can I just like, you know, and I'm like, you're in charge, like you're in charge of this company. So you can set those boundaries, you know, and for him, Mm -hmm. he had just even crossed his mind. And so sometimes it's even having that reflection, you know, of us even having this conversation, if you're listening and you're like, oh yeah, maybe I actually do have more control of this than I gave myself credit for. Mm-hmm. Yes. And permission, like you permission slips to ourselves. And also the, yes, the very strong boundaries with ourselves, uh, because maybe his company is not even wanting him to be checking his email, you know, while he's brushing his teeth. Is that the best use? Is he being the most productive? Or if he put it away for an hour, and then came back, he's probably going to be a much more focused, productive and present person to work with. So the benefits, um, yeah, we, we aren't needed, sad to say, as much as we tell ourselves um, and, and we're needed in a much more present way. And that trickles down to the team. Cause then I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, your team might feel like, oh, I don't have any time for myself in the morning because I have to be on because my boss is going to be on. And then realizing like, oh, you're going to give yourself an hour that gives permission just for everyone to kind of be like, oh, I can take a little time for myself and kind of reset. So it's not only, you know, his schedule, you potentially can affect, you know, everyone's schedule and really giving yourself that grace and um, a better workplace environment, I think. Oh, yes, for sure. And for an example at home is, you know, sometimes we're, we just want some mundane thing in our life, right, to sometimes like a, an app or some TV playing or something. And, and I was noticing for me at bedtime, um, with the kids, which is always if you, you know, if you have, if you're listening of you young kids, the word bedtime can be beautiful and also painful. Um, and so I was noticing, okay, we're not getting in the read the connection of bedtime. It's I'm impatient. I'm tired. Everyone's about to just rush, 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 rush. We got to get to bed. Um, and I'm like, I miss reading with my kids um, at night. And, and I, I just, for some reason, that habit that I did every night with them went away. Um, and I think it was something that changed over COVID for me because I just was overwhelmed. And I was like, we're just going to watch TV. And, and so I'm like, okay, now we're not reading this connection isn't happening. So it's two things. And so then I started looking at, okay, well, we're not even eating dinner till seven o'clock. What the heck? So it always trickles down to something. And then I noticed, okay, we're getting home. Everyone's tired. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to put on a, a TV show or something while I cook. Well, that 
I was not connecting with my kids, which is okay. You know, I can cook without having to be there for them all the time, but it was taking me so much longer to cook dinner. <laughs> so it's like, okay, do I really need to have that on in the background or maybe I should be meal prepping more. So it's, it's, you're noticing when you're, what is the sacrifice too, which may not even be direct until you, until you sit down and, and think about it. I love that. Um, and if people are listening, they're like, okay, I want to set some goals around some of this, you know, cause as we're talking about these habits and lifestyle changes, I would love to kind of get your opinion or how you can kind of bring in that mindfulness piece, you know, while you're setting goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the number one reason, and this is not new information, but why people are not um, successful in goals is because they're not realistic. Mm-hmm. So we're, we get this passion and courage and momentum, like, all right, we're going to make this change. And then let's say you're you know, not working out or you want to stop watching that TV during dinner every day, or you, and you go from not working out to working out seven days a week. Well, when you go from zero to 60, it's, you know, going to be pretty bumpy. And also you're setting yourself up for failure because um, it's just not going to happen. So being mindful um, in the reality of what you're capable of in slow progress um, and slow progress can be a couple of days. It can be months. So Um, just like the analogy of if you push a a flower pot off of a shelf, it's the pot's going to scatter into a, a a bunch of pieces. And so that's when you get, that's what it can be like when you are way up top and you want to get down low. Um, everything can be, it can be a quick momentum, but then everything just falls to pieces. And so with goals, it's, it's a slow and steady climb, and then you'll build confidence and momentum, having those, the uh, acronym of the SMART goals. So being really specific, make sure it's measurable so that you can look back and, and really say, did I do what I wanted to and um, achievable and accountable. So um, again, like this is where a coach could come into play or communicate with your partner or friend or your boss. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come into, I'm going to be at work at 830 because from seven to eight, I'm gonna do this. So there's some accountability using your calendar, realistic and then time sensitive. So if you say, I'm gonna work out this week, um, it's gonna be like, well, what are you gonna do? And when, what does that look like for you? So being really specific and realistic in your goals is, and then having that grace within that too, the, the trial and error. So, okay, something didn't work this week with your goal. It's not a huge setback. It's just information to be curious about what needs to be adjusted um, and, or can I just give it a try again? So that's where the grace can come into some goal setting as well. Yeah. And when people are setting those smart goals, do you find that there's one pillar of those that they commonly forget? I think the, the real realistic is, is, um, cause we want to be, we believe in ourselves when, once we get that momentum, like we can do anything. Um, and so I think the realistic is going from zero to 60 is the biggest challenge. Um, and then also the accountability. So there's lots of steps that can go into that. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to go to this yoga class. 
well, we know that just going to the yoga class is a great idea, but what are some of the smaller action items that you might need to do? Like, okay, I'm going to have to pack my lunch the night before I'm going to need to bring it. I'm going to need to pack a change of clothes. I need to get a mat. I'm going to call a friend and see if she's going to come. So there are what's going to set you up for success that can hold you accountable to make it happen. Otherwise we'd all be doing it on our own. Right. Totally. And that's where I was thinking too, that accountability piece, I think, um, especially if you're feeling just fried. Cause I know for myself, like if I don't have that accountability in some areas, you know, like for me working out, um, like I'm golden cause I've done it for so long. It's very habitual, but there are other areas in my life. Where I'm like, I do need that accountability. Like my yoga practice, I have a Dharma buddy and you know, we meet every week or every two weeks just to check in, Hey, how are your practices going? And with that, it helps me stay accountable knowing, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to, you know, my Dharma buddy and I need to make sure I report back, you know, how it's been going. And so I think Mm -hmm. that piece really can be a, you know, whatever area in your life where you're like, Ooh, that would actually be really nice because, you know, when we are like burning at all ends and we feel just like, Oh, I can't, I can't handle that one more thing. Having that accountability buddy or partner or coach, you know, someone to kind of help you with that area in your life. Um, I know that can really be beneficial, especially now as we're kind of coming into, you know, things opening up more and we start to schedule more things. And all of a sudden we're like, shoot, that goal that I had set, I haven't taken any steps to achieving it. Mm -hmm. For sure. And we live by our calendars, but I've also noticed that now we're also a little bit, um, what's the word, but if a, if a calendar reminder pops up, go work out, you can ignore it pretty easily now. And, and I know during COVID, we were all so having to dig up so much self-motivation to work out, to do things on our own, to be creative that um, we're burnt out on that too. And I know, I'm sure you feel this, that as an entrepreneur, it's constant independence and self-motivation and creativity, which is where I thrive. But in other areas of my life, I can certainly use that accountability. I don't have to do it all on my own. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was for me with like meals, like, um, just being at home, I'm like, okay, I'm so tired of like coming up with a meal plan every week. And so, you know, I just started, my best friend always does this blue apron. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do that. That's going to take care of at least four meals. I don't have to prep because I really enjoy cooking, but I don't like to do all the planning and then the grocery shopping. And then, oh, I need this huge bottle that I'm only going to use like a teaspoon of for a recipe. So I'm like, oh, I'm really liking the convenience of this. And it's letting me do something I enjoy but I don't really have to have the brain power to think of what we're going to eat. You know, I just automatically comes every Tuesday. So, you know, oh my gosh, like yes. that, that's helpful. So with all, with all my client, not all of them, but so many of my clients, especially during COVID um, and we are so fortunate now I live in a very uh, small town. So not all of them are, are delivering to my area, but um, a lo- with a lot of my clients nationally, the increase in use that I saw as part of their health plan um, in the coaching was to use the meal delivery service. I mean, yes, it can be a little bit more expensive, but if you think about the time that you gain and the mental energy and the driving for me, I drive to like three different grocery stores because of my dietary needs. So that meal delivery service, and you can eat healthier. I know people that have lost weight um, because they're eating healthier and it, it is, those delivery services are great habits um, that I've seen have good impact. Yeah. And I mean, little things like that, that sometimes we forget about like, oh, there's a solution like 
you know, something like getting a meal delivery service, um, that can meet our needs where we don't again, like, how can we make life easier for myself, you know, and just kind of think of the box of like, where else could I make life easier? You know, if you're struggling, you know, with workouts, like, can you just do a subscription service or do you need to hire a coach, you know, if possible, or, you know, I know there's so many different groups now because of this last year that have Facebook groups. So you might have an app that you do on demand, but then you have a Facebook group for accountability. Um, you know, little things like that, that can, you might not realize are out there, you know, can help you solve the solution to a problem. Right. And they want to help. There's so many resources out there that are like looking to, per, to support you and, and you don't have to do it alone. I think it goes back to that grace and permission for sure. I love that. So I would love to know, you know, just because you also are a yoga teacher, how do you incorporate um, yoga practices into your wellness coaching program? You know, do you, do you do that with everyone or is that something that just kind of weaves in? No. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I separate the two. Um, however, if someone is interested in it, I for sure build it in, um, and offer some poses or some sequences, or, um, I actually do some yoga coaching. So, but that can be separate. Um, but mindfulness is built into the coaching in everything I do. Um, and that's, uh, part of the training and coaching and also a skill set that I have from yoga. So body awareness is really important. And so is awareness of our thoughts. And so mindfulness is weaved into every coaching session, every homework assignment I do is, is really people just digging in and listening to their bodies and listening to their thoughts. And that all starts with, um, the mindfulness and the yoga, um, I teach, I teach in a studio, I teach online. Um, and that keeps my personal practice going too. Um, so it's a personal motivator. Um, but it's separate unless people are interested. What if people are like, Oh man, like meditation or really slowing down, maybe freaks them out, or they just feel like they're not good at it. Um, and maybe they just, they just despise it. Do you have any tips for people if they're just like, Oh, meditation is just not for me, maybe how to, you know, be mindful, but maybe not in the traditional, I'm going to sit for in stillness for 10 minutes. Yes. I, and I think meditation has this stigma that yes, you have to sit for like 50 minutes in a pretzel with this, you know, beautiful like altar. And then, and then you're going to have these like spiritual awakenings, right? Well, it's just, um, that's not happening. (laughs) So I don't do that. Um, so I think, and so I guess uh, I'm, I want to backtrack a little bit. I, I do build in the, the meditation, um, into coaching because it is a, a large part of letting people, um, connect, However, I don't use the word meditation. Um, and I certainly read the clients um, and of uh, what words intimidate them. Um, meditation is just a, a path to mindfulness and it's very accessible. Um, so breathing. Um, so at some of the beginning of my sessions, if I notice someone's struggling with being present or stress or just finding what they want to do next, I say, all right, let's take a minute and just breathe. And so we just take three deep breaths and that is a form of meditation or, um, you know, that I give them some homework, like check out this 
two minute meditation or a five minute meditation where you're able to relax your thoughts. And as you had said, sleep is a huge um, challenge right now for many people nationally. And so they'll do anything to, um, to get better um, and improve in that. And so if I say, okay, go take a walk. And I want you to just listen to the birds and tell me one thing that you heard on your walk that you didn't hear, you know, that you, when you took your walk yesterday, so it can be that form or what kind of music do you listen to that relaxes you and you don't think about anything else. So it's getting creative in naming what a meditation looks like to a client. Um, because all of those things are meditations in and of itself. I love that. That's a great, a great answer. Cause I know that I think that word definitely, um, you know, has thrown people probably over the last few years of like needing to sit and it has to be perfect. And I have to wear maybe all white and mm-hmm. uh, all of those things that can be intimidating, especially if, you know, you've never done yoga and, you know, you think that those two are, you know, go hand in hand, you know, which they do, but they don't have to, you know? And so right. that's kind of seeing that like, oh, there's a, there's a different way to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I would kind of love to wrap up with um, first wanting to know where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? On my website is all always to connect and information. So Emily Marquis, dot com. Please check me out there and, and uh, hopefully we can, we can connect in that way. Perfect. Um, and I know you have a free quiz on your uh, free health quiz on your website. Can you tell us what is the, what is the health quiz? Uh, yeah. So it's very quick. I think it takes about 30 seconds. So it just goes through five different categories of bringing awareness to what some of your habits are around, um, alcohol and sleeping and diet. Um, basically what are your snacks? What, what kind of sleep do you have just to give you a baseline of like, okay, I'm not perfect, but here are some strengths of mine. And here are some areas that I could improve in my lifestyle to give you a launching pad of, okay, what goals do I want to set? I love that. Well, I would love to know, um, you know, I prepped you before. Sometimes I forget to tell people about the <laughs> weekly challenge, but it's weekly challenge time. So I would love to hear what weekly challenge you have for all of the listeners. Well, I really was thinking about our conversation just now. And I think that a great challenge would be to take a pause, which it could be a challenge in and of itself, but to ask yourself, um, what area in my life is getting a sacrifice that I could get some extra support or resources in. So for example, you feel like maybe the the diet or the healthy eating is sacrificing. So you got support in the the meal planning and the, or the delivery service. So what are you sacrificing right now that you could get support in that's out there? I love that. That's a great one. And just to even just Google, like just, if you have like a weird one where you're like, I don't know if there's going to be a solution. Google that and see what comes up. That's brilliant. There is. Yep. Or your friend, ask a friend or a coach. Yeah. Someone, there's lots of resources out there. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for coming on and uh, sharing your wisdom with us all today. It was such a pleasure to get to talk with you. Thank you. You as well. I appreciate it. Yes. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.